Well, we're just going to look at the probably the first five verses of this psalm, and then we may look at the rest of it uh, later on in the weeks to come. But how, how the psalm starts is that it says, Praise the Lord, my soul, or the way that it's framed as praise my soul, the Lord. And that, but that word praise, uh, it's often translated bless. I think in the translation we have up that Stefan read, it said bless. But what the root of that word is, it's, it's bless or praise in the sense of kneeling. That's sort of what it means literally. And what he's saying is uh, he's telling himself or telling his soul, you might say, to kneel to God, to bless him, to praise uh, Jesus, really by kneeling before him. And then he gives an explanation of what he means by, you know, telling his soul to kneel. You know, what he means by kneeling in his soul, speaking soul. And then he also then talks about what he means by uh, the Lord or the name of the Lord he's about to talk about. And the part of exclamation that why he brings up soul, why he says, kneel soul, it is or blessed soul speaking to a soul. But what he's speaking to when he says soul is he says the, the innermost part or the being the, the center of who he is. And what he's addressing there is something that the Bible has talked about from the beginning in terms of what our problem is and also what the solution is. That our problem is, is that one, we're not able to conform on the outside, but we'll just change things around on the outside so it looks like we're kneeling. For instance, if, you know, in, in the olden days, you may come before a king and you may kneel before him. What that means, or is supposed to mean, is that you're kneeling in your innermost part. But as you know, like for me, when I was a kid or something like that, when your parents would impose something or someone at school or something would impose something and on the external, you'd have to comply. In my heart, I was thinking, but you can't take my heart. You can't change what's on the inside. That's free. You can force some sort of conformity on the outside, but on the inside, I hold that. And that's what he's saying here is that, that the need, we're not going to be able to get to what it is that we want by forcing from the outside these laws compelling us to conform because we're always going to find and manipulate some sort of way because we want that freedom that's in our heart. And, but what he's saying is, is Jesus, the promise, what we need in order to have the change that we want is we need a change that's down in our innermost being. And that's the promise of Jesus to, to change our heart. And that's why throughout the, uh, the old Testament, it would talk about circumcision as a change that you do on the external side. But God would say, I don't care about that. I need you to circumcise your heart. In other words, there needs to be some sort of change that happens in your heart. I need say to Israel all the time, I don't care about your sacrifice. I don't care about your worship. I, I don't care about you coming to church. We all, we come to church, we hear things. He says, that's just meaningless because in your heart, you're not there. And, and what God is saying is, I, I don't care what's happening on the outside. I want to know what I'm most concerned with is who you really are, what you're actually thinking in our hearts. 
And he says, I want to deal with that part. I, I don't really care about all this external stuff. You have to maybe look at the external and then make some sort of judgment about that. But, but I see the heart. I can see right through all the religious stuff you're doing, all the ways that we're sort of lying or, or creating this image of who we are. He says, I see what's going on. And that's where change needs to happen. And that's what Jesus, the promise of Jesus has come. And you can tell there's a, a, a sense of force here where he's talking to himself. Either the psalmist is, is either saying, this is where my need is. I need on the external, on the outside, I may be kneeling to God. On the external, I may be trying to make some sort of difference, but I really need this change so that it just affects my whole person. And I need it to be in the beginning. And then whatever comes out from that center, that, that is a, it's a reflection of the center. And he's either saying that or else he's rejoicing that he's finally found that, that, that he's, he's rejoicing in that promise that he's already starting to sense it, that, that God has started to work on and is changing his heart. And then he says, this is what he's uh, deferring to or kneeling to. He, he says, praise his holy name. And what that means is, Jesus has come into this world. He's a human being just like us. But what we see is that he has set his name apart from us, that there's all of us. And what we see or what we're recognizing, the reason why we're kneeling, we're not just doing it because we have to. We're not just doing it because we're trying to look holy or because we're trying to do what the right thing is. We're doing it because we see that what Jesus has done and what Jesus is continuing to do is just completely set apart from what we're doing. And what that means is, you know, a lot of times we try and find some sort of hope that we're set apart from someone else. But what the Bible tells us is no matter how much we try and set ourselves apart from anyone else, we're, there's, there's really no separation. When someone came to Jesus and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus cut him off. He says, your assumptions at the beginning are incorrect. He says, good, why do you call me good? For there's no one good but God alone. In other words, there's nothing that we're doing on the outside. We keep trying to make it as though there's something different about me. There's some sort of way that I'm disciplining myself or that my education or that my decision making or that my you know, hard work or, or something, my ethics, you know, that there's something that's setting me apart from other people. And we try and put that out. But what he's saying is, no, the kneeling is about just giving up on that whole thing, that there is no separate. It's a realization. There is no, the only separation between humanity and people that have ever existed, the only separation that's found is Jesus. And, and what it's talking about is, when the Bible speaks of righteousness, it speaks of a righteousness that's, that is there on the outside, that's external words like our works, our actions. Uh, it's the righteousness that's found in law. And, and Jesus is the only one. He, he's set apart. His righteousness is different. He's righteous in a different way than us because he actually has never done anything wrong. He always treats us well. He's always acting based on love towards us. 
And whatever righteousness we have is found, the Bible says, in our connection to Jesus. In other words, the reason why God is treating us as though we are righteous is not because we are actually righteous. and it's He's treating us because he's seen Jesus, because Jesus came and separated himself and was righteous like God is righteous. And so we participate in that righteous. God treats us with all the blessings, all of the attitude and the demeanor. He looks at us as though we are, even though we aren't, because of Jesus. And the way that we connect, it says, it it's changes it so that the righteousness that we have is a righteousness of faith. It's due to our connection to what Jesus has done to set himself apart from us. And then what the psalmist says, he says again, praise the Lord, O my soul, what he's just explained, and forget not all his benefits. When he says benefits, um, it, it most generally is sort of like the dealings, the way that God is dealing with us because of what he's just said, this, because Jesus has come and become one of us and set himself apart in in a way that matches with the righteousness of God in a way that we're won't and we're, we're not able, but even if we were, we just refuse to do it. Jesus sets himself apart. And because of that now, we enjoy being looked at by God. We enjoy these benefits of what Jesus has done. And because it's now not about us trying to set ourselves apart or us trying to claim some sort of righteousness that's like God or to say that that I'm set apart, you know, in a way that we're not going to be able to do that. He says that the blessing, the way God's treating us is based on Jesus setting his name apart. And because of that, The command to us or the burden that's on us, Jesus says, take my burden for my burden is light. He's not saying there is no burden anymore. He's just saying it's changed now because of me. And how has it changed? It's changed to say, look, if we want to enjoy the benefit of Jesus and live in the benefit of the way God is now treating us, it requires us to not forget. And that's something that's spoken of through the entire Bible, this idea throughout Israel of this call that God has to simply remember, to remember. And what is it that that we remember? He begins by saying, who forgives all of your sins. The benefit of that we have because Jesus has set his name apart from us and is that Jesus is now working to change our heart. And the way that that heart is changed is by us seeing that the benefit that's coming to us, to God, that the life that God's giving us is given based on forgiveness. And it's something that, we see, but we just so quickly move away from it. We, it, 
can experience it. We can get this glimpse and it pierces through to our heart where we sense every time the life that we have, every breath that we take, well, anything that's good that comes our way, it's God saying, not I will forgive you, but I am forgiving you. That we're actually experiencing when, when the good pours into our life, what we're experiencing there isn't just good or, or blessing. It's not an indicator that we're set apart or that we're righteous. It's not about any of that. What it is, is it's just simply us hearing in a way that's better than words, because we just lie with our words all the time, but it's God expressing his heart by words that are true and saying, I forgive you. And this is evidence of my forgiveness. And he's saying, as we see the evidence of God's forgiveness on the outside, take it to heart and don't let go of it. Remember it. What's happening is, is God's saying it, I forgive you. And, you know, actions speak louder than words, sometimes we say. <laughs> He's saying it in ways better than words. He's speaking it directly to our heart. And he's saying it over and over again. But what he's saying is, is I'm going to continue to say it over and over again. But the problem does not lie in a hope that, that I'm going to forgive. There is a hope that I'm going to forgive in terms of all of eternity. But you see that hope being stated by me over and over again throughout the Bible and over and over again in your life as we experience the good that's coming based on forgiveness. I'm saying I forgive you over and over, but in order for you to live in that freedom and that joy of being forgiven, there has to be some sort of decision that we make in our heart, and that decision is so small that it's, it's, it's just don't forget. Just, just remember it. And the problem is we always forget it, but he just keeps saying it, and to the extent that we want to live in it, it's about the burden it is not so far that we can't do it anymore. The burden of the law is more than we can handle. Setting ourselves apart the way Jesus did is more than we can handle. But remembering, that's something we can do. And we may not be able to do it with consistency. But, but forgiveness, part of the forgiveness is that he's getting at here. It's not so much all the other. It's forgiveness in this that we just keep forgetting it. We see it, but we forget. And he's constantly pouring that forgiveness out to give us this restart, this rebirth that, that begins, again, by us grabbing back a hold of remembering the forgiveness that we have. And he says, uh, and heals all your diseases. Uh, I've said this many times. Whenever Jesus healed someone of something, let's say they were blind or they couldn't walk or they couldn't hear, there was something physical healing that happened that wasn't all of their infirmities. It's not like they never caught a cold again or something like that. That, that When we experience healing, uh, most of the way that we experience healing is by not noticing that we're getting sick. He heals us before we even get sick. That the 
the breath that we breathe, the life that we live, every joy. And the, and the sickness is not just a physical sickness. It's that depression. It's that inner sickness. It's that sense of, of rotting away inside because we need forgiveness and we're just not grabbing hold. He's saying he's bringing healing to us. And, and the promises that when Jesus returns, all sickness will be taken away. But at this point, sickness is not being taken away. But we can experience glimpses of that healing. In other words, our trend is going down and down and down towards death. But along that trend, there's these glimpses that give us that hope where we experience a trajectory that changes course. And so what he's saying is, is it's about us seeing that the good that's happening is speaking forgiveness to us. And it's about God saying, I have the power and I have the capacity and I have the will to forgive. And what that means is, is that forgiveness changes that trajectory from death to life, from sickness to health. And we see those little changes and it's these glimpses that give us hope. And that's where if we hold to those, that's what the righteousness of faith is. That's the decision that we're making in our heart. And it's God speaking out his love to us. Then he says, who redeems your life from the pit or redeems our life from destruction. And what he's getting at with that is, is it's a, a direct correlation to what Jesus did for us on the cross. And that's why uh, people talk about Jesus as our Redeemer. Songs talk about our Redeemer lives. But, but what a Redeemer was is it's like buying someone back, that there's a hold on someone, a claim that's there. And it's saying, I now hold that claim. I, I'm buying it back. It'd be like us being like $100,000 in debt on a credit card and then maybe our parents coming and just paying off that credit card. And now we're sort of indebted to them because they freed us from that debt. But, but, but what it is is, look, when we're, when we're messing things up, it's not just that we need forgiveness. It's not just that we need health from that, that it causes this death. As we mess up, it, it makes consequences that we have to deal with and we see those consequences and, and that disease, death, everything is leading in this way, pointing to the consequences of our failure. But God gives life in the midst of that to point to a different hope. But part of it isn't just that, it's the control that all this evil has on us. I've spoken of this before. It's like if we're a meth addict or something like that, it's not just that we're messing up or that, oh, there's this one occasion where I'm, it's the control that that has now to take over our life and start controlling. And it's what it does is it starts to deteriorate every loving relationship that we have. And it just leaves us stripped bare and shrunken down. And it just drives us into that death. And it has this control over us that we can't break free of. And it's not just that. It's not just things like alcohol. It's not just all the things that we normally think of as, as, as being addictive. It, it could be as simple as a lie. You know, we're just, when we speak to each other all the time, all we're ever doing is basically lying to it. And we're just sort of caught up and trapped up in these lies that, that we build about who we are. 
And what he's saying is, is I'm freeing you. And there's these moments where, if you've ever noticed when you've been trapped by a lie, trapped by this image that you're trying to portray of yourself, that there's this opening that comes, that it's not really who we are. We create this external thing about us that we project out, but it's never really who we are. And we become trapped in that. And what Jesus is saying, it's like what Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That there's a sense of freedom from all that. We don't have to be this person that we've trapped ourselves with by, by the way that we've tried to set ourselves apart. When we try and set ourselves apart, all we're doing is lying and we're creating this image of ourselves that isn't true. We're not really set apart like that, but we're bound to it now to try and prove it in our life. And, and the things we do, it, it, it doesn't just cause this sickness in our life. It, it traps us by it. And what Jesus is doing is freeing us. And as we gain these glimpses of freedom, we always go back. But in that moment of that glimpse, there's something that's there. It's the promise of God's love, his forgiveness, the promise of healing, the promise of freeing us from the things that are just controlling our life. A lot of times, especially when we die, everything that we do is as a reaction to someone else because we just have so much baggage of this reaction to past hurt, things that we think are wrong, everything that we want to see as ourselves set apart. We create this, this, this group of bad people, bad things, and we try so hard to say we're so separate from that when, when the truth is we're not. But he's just freeing us from that whole thing. We don't need to compete in that world anymore. They can, people can set themselves apart. They can, at your work, if someone's setting, that's fine. Let them do that. That has nothing to do with anything because Jesus is the one that's giving you your job. Jesus, and what he says next is, because this is what it comes down to, is we think our protection and our security is found in the way that we have set ourselves apart, but our protection and security is not set by what we have, have falsely said. <laughs> that we have set apart. The things that we set ourselves apart are just enslaving us and enslaving our thought into judging other people and ruining everything good that God is giving. But he says, who crowns you with love and compassion. And what that crowns is, it's like when, the, I don't know if you've ever seen like those, I don't know, they're, they're all bad examples but some sort of maybe movie about uh, Roman history or something like that. And a, a general will go out and win a battle to protect Rome or something, and then come back into Rome and they put this wreath around his head. What, what, what it is, is it's not just authority. It, what it, it's talking about is the way that it surrounds, it's the protection. And we are setting that person apart and we're saying, you know, by the wreath around their head as they come in, we're saying this person has given us protection. And there's always been a tension then between that person now that everyone has seen as the protection and the emperor or the person in charge, which is why the emperor tries to go out. And then so the emperor can be the one with the crown so that people can see that it's them. But that's all just a lie. He's saying, what you're seeing, as I'm just sort of bombarding you with this goodness, you're seeing my forgiveness. 
you're seeing that that all health and all life is actually coming from me on the basis of forgiveness. And what you're seeing is that I'm buying you back and I'm giving you freedom. And the protection that we want, the protection that we're looking for, the security, he said, it's found in the loving kindness and the compassion that is made clear in these moments. These moments when we sense forgiveness. These moments when we have this moment of healing that's made clear. This moment, this glimpse of freedom that we don't know why all of a sudden we're free. We, we've been just imprisoned by this for so long and now we're giving just a breath uh, of freedom. That that's all because of his loving kindness, compassion, and mercy. Loving kindness coming to us based on his compassion, his heart towards us. It's not based on something that, that we are deserving. It's based on something that God has done it all, paid the price for us, died on the cross for us. And it's all that the, the initial point is not us. It's his compassion and his heart towards us that he's expressing something on the innermost part of who God is. The very beginning of all the blessings in our life starts with the very heart of God, that the centermost part of God, which is, is all about his compassion and his love. And if he needs to pay a price, to pay the price of justice, to be able to act out, justly his heart he will do that and he's done that and that's why jesus came into this world and that's why jesus died on the cross and that's what it means to pay the forgiveness the price for the forgiveness of our sins and then he ends or this little section with something that's it's a little bit difficult to understand he says who satisfies your desires with good things what what's the wording there is what he's saying is, is he's doing all these things. And it's like all the good that he puts into our life that, that demonstrates forgiveness, all, all that he's putting into life that demonstrates the health that he's giving, the freedom that he's giving us, the protection that he's giving us. It, it's not really changing anything. <laughs> it's like it's adorning our outside. In other words, the power of everything that's happening is not that, you know, I'll never do anything wrong again. And so I had this moment of forgiveness and now, you know, it's just in this moment. That, that's not it. It's not that, oh, I had this moment of healing and now I'll never get sick again. That's not it. It's not that I've, I've been given freedom and now I'll never, you know, be enslaved to something. It's, the power is in the way that it adorns us, or, or it's like putting, uh, you know, in the olden days, they would put like the special robe on someone or give someone like a double portion to eat. It, it's the way that it adorns us and the way that it says, you're special. I love you. I view you as though you're set apart, even though you're not. It's that adornment is the way that we would set someone apart 
you know, we might adorn a king. We might adorn all sorts of an athlete, whatever. We say, oh, you're set apart. That's a lie. They're not set apart. But what God is saying is I'm adorning you. All these things, the good that's in our life, it's actually an indication of me. I'm viewing you as though you're set apart. And then he says, what does this do for us? Him saying to us, even though it's it's not based on us actually being set apart, but based on Jesus. But the effect that we feel is this adornment of being set apart. And what is the effect of that? It's hard to understand here, but he says, it's so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And the it's hard to understand what he means by eagle. Lots of people point to different aspects about an eagle. But if you look at the base word, of what the, the root of what, why we translate this word as eagle, it's not even necessarily eagle. It, it's oftentimes just translated like a large bird of prey. But, but what it's talking about there isn't, you know, all these different aspects that we think of with that. It's specific because the root of the word is, is laceration or lacerates. In other words, it's speaking about a large bird of prey in the way that it just swoops down from out of nowhere and grabs a hold of its prey, and, and, you know, and the way by nature it grabs a hold with these talons and, and just pierces and just strips. It's a little bit of a uh, disturbing analogy. But what's being said there is that as the eagle or the bird of prey just comes down and just tears and lays open its prey, this is what Jesus is doing for us. And, and I know that's the point is back to the beginning, that this adornment, what it does, if we can see it, and as we remember it, it just pierces back all the walls that we've built up around ourselves by our lives, all the barriers that are there by because of hurt, all the toughness and everything that we've been, that's causing us to, we don't even see things correctly because we can't see, we're not free to see anything uh, because we've got the penalty for all our sin and everyone else's sin that's just created all this crud in our life that's just walled us up and, and is causing us to just have this tunnel vision that, that's entrapped us, that this love, when he has this adornment, the effect isn't necessarily, he's going to give us eternal life. He's going to save us from death. He's going to make it so that there's no sickness. He's going to make, give us a life where we don't need forgiveness anymore where we have complete freedom, that's all coming. But at this moment right now, he's just adorning us with these glimpses of that, these tastes of that. And the effect of that is that's how Jesus is touching our heart. That's He's just adorning us with all this goodness in our life to tear through all the callousness and the walls and the images of ourself and our reactions and just all the baggage that we have in life. And that's tearing us back on our heart, just laying it open bare so that we have this moment. And, and I, I, it's, it's not really accurate maybe to say to back to that time of innocence, but, but it's that idea of just giving us the heart that we had before it became so callous. The heart that we had before we started enduring all the hurt in the world. The heart that we had before it just became encompassed by all of our lives and everything that we have, the heart 
that was there at the beginning, that was freshest, that was open, to be able to have a new start, that refreshingness of our heart that, that we had as a child in our youth. And this love that God's pouring on us, it's not to just solve this problem or that problem, that happens. But in the solving of all these little problems, it's the totality of the love that says, I forgive you. It's the totality of the love that says, I will give you life. I will give you healing. I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to be the protection. And the totality of all those moments of those different aspects, it has an effect of ripping back all of the crud that we've encased ourselves with and leaves us with this sweet and as pure as it can get, considering that we're involved, moment in our heart. And that's a moment when we can respond. And you know what that is, because we've all experienced that when the, the words of God, either the literal words of God in the Bible or the words of the weight of this, or the, the adornment that he's been pouring on us, we can feel it in our heart. We can sense it pulling back. And as we experience that, say yes to it. And as we say yes to it, the burden shifts, that if we're going to say yes to this, the burden becomes light. But it's a burden. Don't forget this. Live in that. Just grab a hold of that. And don't let go of it. And God's going to continually be there adorning us. But live in that moment when our heart is laid bare. Live in that moment when we see the forgiveness. We see that life, that healing is there. We see that the protection is there. The freedom is there. Grab a hold of that. And don't forget where it comes from. Don't forget that it comes because of Jesus. Don't forget that it comes because he's set him, he's proved to be different than all of us. And this is all evidence of that. And live in that moment, the psalmist is saying, and kneel at that moment in your soul. And that's you know, the reality of what it is that we're all actually looking for. Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray that you would just, just during this time where it's just a unique time in the world where this coronavirus is going around and we're just, even though we may not have that virus or, or we may not be feeling fully the effects of it, we may know someone who's died, but we may not. But we know that there's something different happening. I pray that at this time, you would just magnify yourself. And we just thank you for magnifying yourself. And I pray that you would just open our heart to be able to see the forgiveness that you have for us. Open our heart to be able to see that the healing is coming from you. The life is coming from you. Open our hearts to see that whatever freedom we have, it's not due to our government, our form of government, or anything else that has to do with us being set up. It has to do purely with you've given it. 
Help us to see that whatever protection and security we have, whatever battle needed to be won, that you've the one, the one who's won that battle. And I pray, Lord, that, that we would be grateful for our heart being open to you. I pray that we would say yes to that. And we just thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us, renewing our heart and giving us this fresh opportunity to cut through all of the baggage that we have in our life. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us would take advantage of that by saying yes and not forget it. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.